Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to the Self Care Club. Thank you so much for joining us on today's show. Oh, thank you for having me. So we're talking all about self-compassion, which is your bit of expertise for the week. You're a, you're a special expert. So I wanted to start by asking you, when you think of self-compassion, what does that mean to you and why is it important? Yeah, and it's it's really personal because it's it's essentially because I spent the first 35 years of my life not really liking myself and living with an enemy in my head a bully in my head and being really really unkind to myself and I saw the impact that that was having and so I completely transformed that by using the practice that we're going to talk about today and loads of other things um, to help me essentially treat myself like I would treat a friend which sounds bonkers right that we wouldn't treat ourselves like we would a friend but I find this is really universal like almost every woman I spoke to knows exactly what I'm talking about when I talk about living with that bully in our head and being the hardest on ourselves than anyone else could ever be so yeah that's what it means to me essentially it's being kind to myself which is sounds really simple but it's really hard it's really it is. hard it's really what hard. was the catalyst that made you change that up after 35 years there was a couple of things um, I actually realised how cruel I was being to myself in my sort of mid-twenties. I had this realisation when uh, about 90% of my thoughts were essentially bullying to myself. But I wasn't able actually to transform it until I became a mother and I started doing the work that I'm doing with mother kind because I thought I started to understand that this, this link between how we talk to ourselves and how our children talk to themselves and I thought can I swear yes. yes yeah I thought fuck that I'm not having my girls talk to themselves how how I have so it became like just this sort of fire in me I've always dabbled a bit you know yeah. for 10 years probably but I was like there is no effing way I'm having my girls have an internal dialogue like I have and I knew that I had to be the one to change that for myself first so yeah I set about just working every single day on on transforming it and changing it can you give us a, an example of the sort of things that you would say to yourself just so that someone listening at home would be able to recognize their inner bully and how they can possibly go about changing that yeah so typically you know during that time someone would give me a side look in the street and I wouldn't think oh it's got nothing to do with me I'm a nice person I would think yeah they're looking at you funny because you look weird I knew you knew that jumper you know looked ridiculous on you or someone would like tut at me in the traffic and I wouldn't think oh that person's having a bad day nothing to do with me I think yeah that's because you're an inconvenience and you've parked wrong again and you've done it wrong and you're so stupid and actually you get you get loads wrong or a friend wouldn't reply and I would instantly think you've done something to offend them 
Mm. You've done something to offend them and and you don't realise what it is, but no one likes you. This is true. This, you know, just can I would continually look for evidence that the worst thing about me was true. And of course you find it everywhere, right? We, we know we know the way that the brain works. We know yeah, it's called the reticular activating system. Essentially, you find what you are looking for. So I was just finding evidence everywhere that I was I was a piece of shit. And I wasn't good enough. Yeah, it was really hard, really hard. And I used loads of... Whose voice was that? You know, they often say when, you've got, when you're speaking to yourself with a very critical voice, it's, it's someone else's voice. It's someone who criticizes, you know, it's that teacher who was horrible to you at school. It was your, it was your dad's voice because he had a very bad temper. Was that someone's voice that became your inner critic or was that just a part of you? Yeah, and there's loads of um, new research about this. It's absolutely fascinating about how the inner critic is actually the inherited critic. We inherit how we speak to ourselves from our caregivers. It's fascinating because my my parents were amazing parents, really loving, and actually, you know, there was a bit of criticism from my from my dad. He had really high standards. Like I would get an A, and he would say, "Why is it not? Why is it not an A star?" So there's definitely some of that. But both yeah. my parents are incredibly hard on themselves. Right. And, so and I think behavior, learned behavior. Mm-hmm. Exactly right. Learned behavior. And, you know, I had some experiences through school where I was bullied and I never really felt like I fit in. I was really unsure of myself. I know now know that's a universal experience. And every woman feels like that in their childhood. Basically. And a lot of boys, too, I think. feel very And a lot of boys and a lot of boys. Um, I didn't know that then. And so I started just to create all these beliefs about myself. And then, I, of course, I was finding that evidence until it became just this huge, you know, mask, this huge cloud that I was living under where I really believed that there was something fundamentally wrong with me and that I would never be able to achieve the sort of the, the, the peace and the happiness and the freedom that I so wanted to. I so wanted that experience, but I just I couldn't I couldn't get to it. And so how did the process start of you managing to stop that voice? Yeah, the, the first thing was um, awareness. You know, there's always that sort of self-help adage, the first step is awareness. It, it's a cliche because it's really true. Mm-hmm. And I, I experienced this with clients as well as when, because I, I coach lots of women on this, is, is when you start to notice your thoughts and almost start jotting down at the end of the day some of the thoughts that you've you've remembered and you've noticed how many of them are negative and self-critical and I remember I would have been I was quite young I would have been about 26 27 and I was really into this mode of trying to to notice what my thoughts were saying to me and I, I remember walking down the street in Shepherd's Bush where I used to live and realizing that from when I'd got off the tube to get home I hadn't had one kind or positive thought about myself every single one was negative yeah so that was that's really powerful it's often really shocking I had this experience a lot with with clients where they feel really quite shocked because it's almost like the fit the fish doesn't know it's on water like often before we until you become aware of it and you start it's called metacognition before you start thinking about your thinking you don't realize that you're just swimming in this negative self-talk until you can start to be really intentional about noticing it so that's always the first step okay is to is to notice it and then the second step is so I tried which I guess is the sort of Instagrammy self-help telling that thought to go away not going to listen and replacing it with a positive one that didn't actually work for me um 
And there's lots of evidence. And, and Dr. Kristen Neff, who we're going to talk about in a minute, because that's where that little tool I gave you comes from. She she has tons of research as to why that that cannot always work. For some people, it does. What worked for me more was almost befriending that that part of me and looking at what was underneath all that all that negative, all that um, critical self talk. And a lot of it was around just a, a, a deep desire for love and connection, but that's not what everybody how to get wants. it. Isn't yes. it that's what really, if you dig down, that's what every human being is looking for. You want to be seen, loved, heard. You know, everybody needs that and wants mm. that. And everyone has exactly. the right to that. Yeah, exactly. It's just that I got this sort of won- wonky roadmap, I think of it. Like I just got given a, a for loads of reasons, this map that told me that the way to get that love and connection was to, to beat myself up and to, you know, predict and manage what other people wanted and to keep myself small and not and to if I could beat myself up enough then I would bend myself into shape and I would get that love and connection whereas now I've managed to create myself a different map which is way healthier and a much nicer way to live which is that I can get I can get that love and connection by being essentially kinder to myself by realizing that there's nothing there's nothing fundamentally wrong with me. And I'm worthy as, of, of love and happiness just as much as every other single human on the planet is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so what happened with these thoughts then? How did they turn into loving kindness? So over time. So I like to think of it as like a plowed field. You know, when you see those plowed fields and they're like really deep furrows. Furrowed, that's the right word. I'm thinking of like I always think of a combine harvester, like yeah. making these massive, like that was the, you know, the 30 years or so of, of of negative critical thinking. So those are really strong neural pathways in my brain. And the more that we practice a thought, the stronger that neural pathway gets. It's like working out in the gym essentially. So the way that I think about it, the analogy that I use is then I wanted to start to go across the other way. So it was really bumpy. And actually, it was so much easier to just go down the pathway that I knew. That's a very good visual analogy. Yes, brilliant. Yes, I really like it. Because when people say to me, why can't I just do this? I'm like, imagine what you are trying to do. You're trying to break 30 years, sometimes 40 years, 50 years, however long you've been thinking this way about yourself or life or others. You're trying to go across the other way. Imagine how that would feel if you were in that combine harvester. It would be tons of effort. You'd be thinking, I can't do this. It's too hard. It's just way easier to go the way that I've always gone. So it's like, it's just chipping away at it. It's not one sort of big transformation, despite what some people on Instagram would have us think. It's not one mantra. It's not one thing. In my experience, it's tons of different things. And it's making it a really big priority. Lots of people say to me, yeah, I want to I experience that you know, that, that, that peace within, I want to experience that kindness to myself. I want to stop beating myself. I want to be able to sit down and have a cup of tea without that critic being on me. I want all of that. And I'll say, well, how are you making that a priority in your life? Yeah. That's uh, a great, and, that is such a great question. Yeah. Because if you really want something, it's like anything, if you really want something, you've got to make it a priority. So I loved my, I loved myself into it. I, you know, I went on tons of training courses read loads of books got into daily practices I was doing everything that I could to try and get that that furrow the other way and now it's just absolutely miraculous because genuinely something will happen and often my first thought is a really kind one and if it's not and if it's not a kind one I catch it really quickly and can replace it with a far more loving second thought 
So the other thing that really, really helps is thinking about we tell ourselves how we feel about ourselves through our actions. So every time that I am knackered and I just want to sit down, but I push myself through, what I'm telling myself is that in that moment, you don't matter. Cleaning the playroom is more important than your You don't deserve rest. Yeah. So, so what are my actions my, what I'm actually doing, communicating to myself. I'm always listening. I'm always there. What are they communicating to myself about how I feel about myself? So I always think about that as well. When I um, skip breakfast or don't have a glass of water or I make the kids a really nutritious meal and I have beans on toast, which happens. I'm like, I'm like, what, that what? all the time. It drives me nuts. I do, it. I do it as well. Still something I've got to, I've got to work on, but I'm thinking, what am I telling myself about myself? What, what is my actions telling myself? And the, the, the more positive the actions can be, even if it feels really hard and unnatural, because remember you're, you're, you're throwing, you're burrowing, furrowing, what's the word? The other way, it's not going to feel easy to sit down and have a cup of tea when you've always rushed and got the job. It's going to feel excruciating. Yes. Yes. And that is what I help yes. people through. That's what I'm so passionate about because people are like, why is this so hard? I'm like, because change is hard. Your brain, homeostasis is called, your brain wants to keep things the same. Your brain does not want you to, to, to go down the other way of the field because it's about efficiency. Your brain doesn't want to burn that much energy, right? So it's going to feel excruciating. It's going to feel really hard. So I just made it like the number one priority in my life, really, because I wanted it so badly. Well, I kept kept reading all these books and going to all these talks and listening to all these people that had had done this and were experiencing this transformation, internal transformation. I was like, I really want that. Like, Mm. I really want it. Um, I wanted it more than I wanted anything externally. I was like, I'm not going to spend my money on clothes and, and holidays or whatever. I'm going to spend it on, you know. Loving retreat, myself, retreat learning how to love and, myself. Yeah, and what an amazing investment. Yeah, what it an is. amazing investment. There was, I want to just give a quick example mm. of this because I was in your kitchen the other day mm. and I was watching Lauren's son, who's 14, 15, 16, 16. <laughs> he came in and it was lunchtime and he started to, he wanted to make himself some lunch. So he pulled out some chicken fillets, he pulled out some rice and he pulled out all the spices and everything else. And he was getting himself all set up to make himself this gorgeous, nutritious, like a spicy chicken and rice dish. And Lauren was getting really irritated with him because, oh, you're in my space and you don't need that. And why are you doing that? And all of this. After about 10 minutes, she stopped. That's the awareness piece and said, you know what, Zach? All I am is envious that you prioritize, she said, you prioritize yourself enough to make yourself a nutritious lunch. And normally I just stand here eating a cracker. So go good for you. Mm, I gave him a little high five. She did. And he even gave us a taster plate. He did. (laughs) And it was bloody delicious. It was delicious. (laughs) It's so interesting you say that because I I talk a lot about um, resentment when we become mothers with our partners and and a reframe I absolutely love is so many women are like I am seething at my husband that he can sit down or go out for a run or have a call you know with a mate when the kitchen's in chaos I'm like how about we use that as inspiration how about instead of trying to get him to be as busy and as always on and have these crazy high standards how about we use that as 
as inspiration for you know and I do that all the time with Guy I'm like I'm so inspired that you can just take a weekend golfing and not think about I'm gonna do the same phrase that I would use I think you're very generous but we have discussed a week of living as our own husband living like living like a man and and how that would look and how our week would look and it just would look great but the thing is they wouldn't they wouldn't spend the week living as the wife and that's who's gonna do everything who's gonna sort out my daughter's sports kits and who's right. gonna you who's know, gonna make that. sure the rugby kits wash I wanted to just ask you before we jump into this practice that we're going to do for the week now we're talking about being envious of how others prioritize themselves and really that's just because we're a bit sad that we don't do it for ourselves how yeah. have you found or have you found that your relationships have changed from when you were very self-critical to now you are more kind to yourself have other people noticed and what what was the difference before and now or was there a difference yeah there was a difference my I would say my friendships in particular feel much healthier because I'm really boundaried Mm. so when I was when I was critical with my you know clearly that fed into my esteem and part of having that low esteem meant that I was not very boundaried so Mm. if someone asked me to do something I would do it but I would often be there resentfully or if I felt like a friend, you know, we just weren't, you know, maybe we've been friends for years and actually we're totally not on the same page anymore. And actually I didn't want to be in the friendship, but I would never have the esteem to say, you know, like I, I've loved you for a long time. I just feel like to do, you know, have those really hard conversations. Whereas now, because I've got this baseline of knowing I'm all right, you're okay, you deserve, you know, you're just as worthy as everyone else. I'm able to set really clear, strong boundaries. So loads of my friendships have change the friendships that I do have feel really honest really healthy really deep which is just amazing that's everything that I always always wanted I used to have loads of like acquaintances and there just wasn't that deep connection and yeah I've really noticed that 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 since I feel like a valued a really high value partner in a relationship that's completely changed how I show up in those dynamics as opposed to feeling like well I'm grateful that I've even got a friend which is how I used to think I should be grateful that someone wants to go out with me not think do I want to go out with them so it's completely changed the the dynamic there's something very powerful in that shift of do they like me versus do I like them absolutely and and actually in that do I like them some of the time the answer is no I don't and then you have to make those tough choices. But, th- but that's all part of loving yourself. It's not an easy, straight road, is it? Yeah, I had it. I, I, I became really close to someone in the first year of motherhood when I, was, when I first became mum. We spent a lot of time together. And then there were a few things and I was like, this is not okay for me. Some of the things that had happened and was said to me and was said about my family and I felt a bit judged. And I was like... And before I would have, I would have just been like, don't focus on that. You know, she's a lovely friend and she's done all these kind of things for you. And, and actually I sat down with myself and I was like, this doesn't feel good for me, this dynamic anymore. So I essentially broke up mm. with that friend and that's really excruciating. That's to a do. podcast like, in itself, breaking it's up with a friend. so hard. It we, we, we've talked so about that. Hard. There's no word for it when that ends. It's not a divorce. It's not a breakup. It's like, what is it? It's, it's a whole really separate hard. thing, isn't it? It's really hard. Uh, Dr. Nicola Perra, the holistic psychologist, she talks about that a lot, Mm. about breaking up friendships. And it makes sense, doesn't it? It's like any relationship, particularly as this was new. I didn't know the depths of this woman that well. And when I got to see the depths, I was like, oh, 
doesn't yeah. feel healthy for me mm. so but it, but it's that you're right there's such a taboo around it it is so hard to do it's so hard not to think you are such a bitch that's that's the the critical message like who do you think you are you are such a bitch but I think it's it's you know the counter to that is no no no, no. my time is really precious particularly now I'm a mum I only want to interact with people in my life where I feel safe psychologically, where I feel like I'm not going to be judged, where I feel like there's a connection. Not that I don't want to be challenged, but challenged in a really positive, loving way, not in a judgmental, critical way. There's a total difference. So many people say as they get older that their friendships and their friends get smaller and smaller and smaller until they basically can count them on one hand. And I have found that. And I'm so much happier. Like I, I, I say to Nicole quite a lot. I, I genuinely like very few people. Yeah, it's it's really true. <laughs> well, particularly as like when you, I imagine the types of friendships that you guys want because of the work that you do is like is deeper. Like I'm not interested in chatting about the latest celeb romance or what's going no, on. I am on. interested in that. Too. <laughs> <laughs> See, I I'm mean, not. I'm really. I, you not. know, Nicole and I can talk about Real Housewives for like an hour on the phone, having already spent the full day together. But the friends who I keep are the friends who know the bones of me. So I could tell them anything, but I could also talk to them about a hat. Yeah. You know, like it's like that. Listen, yeah, see, I'm, to- I'm I'm different than that. I I definitely I'm I don't like small talk. I'm not into it. So I feel like sometimes my friends are like, oh God, Zoe's calling, we're gonna have to go see. <laughs> I'm always like, what's really going on? Come on, let's get to the, there's something in me that <laughs> I, just wants to get to the core of what's There, there has the to be, I know what you mean. If you're going to invest in relationships, especially, you know, we're women in our 40s. If I'm going to spend the time, I'm very busy with my family, with my work. If I'm going to invest my time outside of all of that, it has to have a depth. Yes, I can talk to you about the Real Housewives, but there is a, there is a depth and a connection and a total understanding of who and a respect of who one another are and if that is not there then that is just that there is no space in life for that and that absolutely comes from having that deep connection and love for yourself and and that is you have to learn it don't you you do have to learn it but I also think and again as you said at the beginning of this chat it's a cliche but cliches are cliches for a reason everybody said to me when you turn 40 everything changes you you just come into yourself you just stop caring about what other people think you stop sweating the small stuff so much and I was like yeah yeah whatever whatever and I'm I'm nearly 45 but I it it was visceral I mean I felt it happen it was like yeah this is who I am now and you can think what you want and say what you want and it doesn't touch me anymore because I'm a grown up now. I love being in my 40s. Well, it's it's you, just a I do love being in my 40s. There's such freedom to but, it. But it's also it's also a state of mind. And I don't think you have to be in your 40s. I do. I think it's like it to get happens that. and you just change. Well, for all the younger women listening, we mm. want them to have it before they hit 40. I do, but I also don't want them to think that as they hit 40 life is over or you're getting older or it's terrible. It's just great it's so freeing I went to a 50th brunch on Sunday and as I walked out the door my daughter says my 11 year old she said where are you going I said I'm going to a 50th she goes oh how sad and I turned around I said to her what's the alternative not being 50 yeah being dead I mean the alternative is a lot worse (laughs) yeah I I, do you know what I genuinely cannot understand that the the complaining about getting older like I I genuinely yeah, it's like such 
privilege. Like there are so many people who haven't had the access to amazing healthcare and safe sanitation and that, that would love to be turning, you know, 40, 50, 60, 70, but haven't had that privilege. It really does trigger me. I need to maybe look at a bit why it triggers me so much, but it really does when people yeah. complain about their birthday or lament that they're getting older. I feel like it is a complete privilege not afforded to billions it of is. people on our planet. It is. My and, parents, yeah, sorry. Go on. My parents are both turning 70 this year and I just love their attitude. Both of them, they're not married to each other anymore. They haven't been for 30 years, but they've both got this attitude of, I've got finite time left. Fuck it. I'm just going to enjoy everything. Like suck it up now. And my mum is always like, yeah, I've probably got 15, 20 good years left. I'm going to get married again. I'm going to enjoy this. I'm going to eat this. I'm going to drink the wine. I'm going to, and I love that because there's no feeling of, oh my God, I'm 70. It's over. It's like, I'm just doing it now while I can. And it's very inspiring. Right. We are getting slightly off topic. We are. As wonderful as <laughs> I like it though. I like, I like Me where too. we're going. <laughs> Me too. It's juicy and delicious. So let's get back to self-compassion. Right. Yeah. Now. What are we going to do for our week, Zoe? Talk us through it um, step by step. Okay, so there are literally sort of 50 little self-kindness tools in my toolbox that I could have yanked out. But I've chosen this one for a couple of reasons. One, because it is so research-based, and I know that you guys love that. Love it. it. (laughs) And because it takes about 40 seconds, and I know that you guys Uh, even better. So I hope I hope this practice is gonna is gonna land for you. It is not mine. It is developed by Dr. Kristen Neff, who is an incredible. I don't know if you do you know her, Dr. Kristen Neff. No. She's like an incredible researcher, and she essentially came up with the concept of mindful self compassion. And this is yeah, she's incredible. She's absolutely amazing. She's got TED talks, and she's got documentaries. If you want to dive deeper, definitely go and go and check it out. But this is based on her definition of self-compassion, which has three components. Mm -hmm. So her definition of self-compassion is firstly, mindfulness. Second, she calls it common humanity. And then the third is self-kindness. So talk to each of those because they do feed into this little practice. So the first one is mindfulness. So often, you know, like we were saying before, the fish doesn't know it's in water. When we're being unkind to ourselves, it sounds bonkers, but often we don't even realize it so the first thing is mindfulness is noticing on purpose without judgment right so the first thing is to label it Mm. so I'm being hard on myself this is a hard moment this all the look I'm getting all the look here (laughs) she is gonna hate this week I can't tell you, this is going to be, I'm not, this is going to be such an edge for you. Oh my God. Yeah, I mean, she is so unkind. The judge, she's so unkind to me. It's not, it's concern out from your, from your friend. (laughs) You know, (laughs) you are unkind to yourself. I call her the self-care bully. She does. She does, because I bully her into looking after herself and being being kinder to herself. Yeah. (laughs) Does it work? No, it doesn't work. (laughs) No. So hopefully this will. (laughs) so that's the first step in the practice is that something will happen this week or you'll notice you are beating yourself up or something will go wrong and I want you to label it so this is really hard god I'm beating myself up it's actually really painful or whatever words but labeling that experience even if you just did that 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 is incredible but then there's two more steps So the second step is common humanity, which is what Dr. Kristin Neff says 
We always forget when we're in a moment of suffering, she calls it. I would call it like a hard moment. We always think, right, this is so true that there's something wrong. It shouldn't be this way. Like the school shouldn't have phoned up and said that I need to go and get my child or the, wa- the, the water blade. tank is that what you mean? Like not a- have broken. It's just that we, we, the moment something goes wrong with ourselves, let's say we mess up a project or we forget to hit record on the oh, podcast. Oh, I see. We make it wrong. Yeah. We always think this shouldn't be happening. We resist it. Whereas she said, the most natural thing in the world, the most normal part of being human is, is things being really hard. Mm. But we tend suffering to forget is, that. Suffering is part of life. Suffering is part of life. Exactly. So that's the next step. So something happens and you go, I'm beating myself up. I wish it wasn't this way. We label it. This is really hard. This is a really hard moment. Second thing, remind yourself. I'm part of the human race. There's nothing wrong with me. There's nothing wrong with this situation. This is really hard because what we want to do is resist it. We want to go, there is something wrong. I'm wrong. I'm a mess up. I can't believe that I forgot that I had to pick that kid up with my kid at five o'clock. I am such an idiot. She did this the (laughs) other day. She did that exact thing the other day. The mother texted her to remind her to check that she was picking her son up. And she'd forgotten. She hadn't forgotten to pick the kid up. This was about midday. She must have said it maybe 20 times from midday to when she had to leave for the school. I can't believe I forgot. I can't. I, said, I mean, I never do. That's not the sort of thing I do. But you didn't forget. There was no kid standing there on his own no, crying at school. Like nothing happened. Nothing happened. But if she hadn't texted me. So this is where that second step is going to be super powerful for you, right? Because what I want that what you could say to yourself if you're using the practice is there's not a mother in the world who hasn't done this. There's I am. There's not a mother in the world who hasn't dropped a little ball like this. Welcome to the human race. That's where you're saying we're all we're all constantly dropping balls because when we do that, we think I'm the only one. That other mum wouldn't have done it. She's remembered to text me. I would have forgotten all of that narrative so the second step is we remember the woman was in africa okay on a really important business trip who's got the most enormous high powered job and she kept going on she's in africa and she works for such and such and she remembered and i didn't remember and i mean honestly she went into a whole I'm meltdown very upset. <laughs> okay so if you'd have had this practice i like to think it would have yeah. really changed that for you you would have caught yeah. it this is like 40 Shame seconds it didn't happen this week you never know, might. Right. Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. I drop balls every day. Hopefully you'll get lots of chances. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> so that's the second step, is that we remember there is nothing wrong with us. Doing stuff wrong, experiencing pain, things happening that we don't want to, is the most <clears throat> normal part of the human experience. It's actually more normal than happiness and joy and things going right, unfortunately. So that's that's the second thing, because, because when we isolate ourselves and go, like you did in that experience, in that dynamic with that other mother, when you make someone, you know, put her on a pedestal, she didn't forget it, I did. Actually, from a cognitive perspective, what you're doing is separating yourself from the pack, quote unquote. Mm. And that's the really scary place for our psychology and our nervous mm. system to be. I get that. So then you completely. start to panic. So so it's remembering, it's remembering there's nothing wrong with me. This is the most normal thing in the world. I am part of the human race. Welcome to the human race. And then the third step is to say something kind to yourself. 
So let's take that example. It's okay. an amazing example, right? So you get that message from that mum. And if we were using this practice, this is how we would do it. Mm. First thing we would do is we'd get that message and you'd go, I'd put my hand on my heart or something. That's how I do it. And I go, oh, God, this really hurts because I've forgotten. This is a moment of, you know, real pain for me. Or, or this is a moment where I could really beat myself up. Shame, Second, I would say she was shame. shame. Yeah, you're going to use whatever word works for you. God, I could feel, I can feel the shame. I can feel the shame. Second step, there's not a mum in the world. Stop yourself. There's not a mum in the world who hasn't dropped a little ball like this. It's all good. And that third thing, it's all good. Like I just naturally said, that's the yeah, third step. Where you say thing. something kind to yourself, you're all right. You've got a lot on. Nothing's actually happened. It's all good. It's all good. And I, I am actually like, you can see I do it naturally because I do this hundreds of times a day. Right. So I naturally. But there's something put... self-soothing about you sort of stroking yourself and holding yourself. Well, as... what's incredible is the feeling that we get when we get a loving hug from another. It activates exactly the same oxytocin and love hormone as when we do it for ourselves. Does it? No... As when you do it to yourself? Exactly, exactly the same. There's no difference. So, so I'm, I, when I need a hug I can't, and there's no one around, I will, I will give myself get a dog they're very good for yeah, that I have a dog I have a dog don't you find so, the dog cuddles mm. so that's about what not even 30 seconds not it's even no circuit, even 20, it's not yeah. it's just a little circuit breaker and there is tons and tons and tons of research behind these three little steps that show why they work how it works I'm not going to go into <laughs> that but it's there so the first thing is we're labeling it this is a moment I'm experiencing I could go into shame here remember there's nothing wrong with me everyone drops balls like this and then you say something kind to yourself it just shows how much I've got going on today you're all good my love you're all good I call myself like my love <laughs> my do darling. you do you yeah. Have a little, yeah yeah you're all good my love you're all oh right. I'm gonna come up with a nickname for myself I mean I'm, yeah. I, I'm not gonna tell you about this until we some do people, the week but I I realized the other day when I do do something I'm not pleased with myself about what I call myself and you are gonna be so angry well, so I don't. I, I need also, a new word. I'm also not massively happy about the self care bully. I mean, I think that's. <laughs> I think we could probably, if we're being kind this week, I think we could probably change that. Encourager. <laughs> so you yeah. need a name that's going to be tender and loving, not a name that you use when you beat yeah. yourself. Yeah, yeah, I do. So, is, have you got the practice? Is it? Got it. Yes. Got, got it. it. Got it. We're going to do it. We're going to. We're going to. We're going to do it. Uh, and we'll report back on how it is. Yes, we will. Zoe, thank you so much for coming on the show. You have been an absolute delight. I have loved every minute of Me this too. chat. Me too. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. Me too. And please come back and teach Lauren self-compassion anytime <laughs> you'd like. <laughs> sounds like it sounds like this practice is going to be transformational for you. It is. It is. Thank you the so thing much. I would say that just the quick sort of throwaway lobbing comment is that if you experience resistance, remember that that too is completely normal. Remember what we said about plowing the field. This is a big change, Lauren, particularly for you. I think if you're used to going into those spirals. So be really, really compassionate to yourself about any resistance that you Good tip. feel about it. That's a great tip. Mm. Zoe, thank you. You're welcome.
Mind podcast explores how to feel happier, more confident and empowered in your motherhood, even in our world of pressure, judgment and comparison. I'm your host, Zoe Blasky, and every week I speak to an incredible expert to share actionable steps and powerful lessons to living your life as a mother with more joy and unapologetic confidence. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, just search Motherkind. Kind.